how do we let discouragement take us deeper in our faith? And, and how do we find Christ even amidst our failures? We're going to be talking about that, plus a whole lot more with guest and author Bethany Marshall today on Mission and Likeness. Why, hello. Welcome to Mission and Likeness. If this is the first time that you're joining us, welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. Glad that you were able to tune in. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, and if you do, there is a lot of uh, episodes that you can go back and you can watch and you can, uh, you know, enjoy as well. So we would just encourage you to do that. Uh, our special guest today coming up later on is Bethany Marshall. She's an author. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, just her ministry, what she is doing, how God is using her to to advance the kingdom. And uh, really looking forward to that conversation. Before we get to that, I, I read this article this morning by Dane Ortland, and it's titled, Discouragement Can Take You Deeper, Finding Christ in Our Failures. And I've shared a little bit on the show recently about some of the battles and some of the things that I have been going through uh, and my wife has been going through, you know, with me as a as a couple in our marriage, in our family, just in our life, in our business. And this this article really shaped some things for me in a way that I hadn't been able to really articulate. And so I, I just wanted to share a, a little bit of the article with you, and I'd really encourage you to go find it. Uh, it's on Desiring God. It was published on May 3rd, and, and it's titled, Discouragement Can Take You Deeper, Finding Christ in Our Failures, and it's, again, by Dane Ortland. And and I just want to read a, a little excerpt of it, um, and, and he lays out four points for how, for how, how do we leverage the discouragement in our lives? Because there, there is, it is bound to happen. And, and the way that he kind of shapes the beginning of the, the article is, is he says, many of us will walk through a life-altering tragedy at some point in this short life. The older I get, the more I realize how, how short life is. You know, we joke about how, how fast time goes, and then we kind of worry about how fast time goes. But the reality is, is we can get bogged down in just thinking and, and, and seeing how fast time goes, and we, and we lose sight that, okay, if, if life does go fast, what does that mean for me? How, how, how do I respond to that? And so what he gets to in, in this opening of the article is he says there's, there's kind of two ways that, that Christians can be discouraged. And, and he says the, the big one is that we, we often think of that big once-in-a-lifetime disaster, you know, that, that big moment in our life, something that's earth-shattering, that, that presents a, a huge challenge. And we begin to think, how, how, how do I weather this? How do I get through this? How do I, how do I process this? And then the other side of it is those daily micro-aggressions, you know, that passive-aggressive email or that text message or, um, you know, the, the, the loss of a, a family member. And that can, that can be very big. That could be an earth-shattering thing for some of us. You know, you get, uh, you know, a negative comment on a Facebook post or an Instagram post. You, you start to, 
get passed over for promotions, you're not quite sure what kind of uh, career path to take, or, or you're having some uh, issues with some friends and some questions about, you know, can I trust this person? Or, you know, maybe a, uh, something has been spread about you that isn't true, and you're trying to figure out how to get through that. And then we also have just our ongoing temptation in our own lives of sin. And, and whatever your, your um, ongoing, you know, temptation might be, it's always something that you are battling with. And he says here in his article, Dane says, a flash flood may drown us, but eventually so will incessant dripping if it is not dealt with. Suddenly, disaster may overwhelm us, but eventually so will a drip of discouragement if it's allowed to pull. And so he says, growing in the Christian faith is essentially battling. If you're not battling, you're not growing in your faith. And, and he gives four reminders uh, to his fellow saints as, as we battle our way together through the, through the discouragements of life, he says, especially in regards to our own failures and weaknesses. And I think a lot of times we, we want to look at our weaknesses and we want to look at our failures and, and we, we want to look at it through a skewed lens. You know, we want to we wanna find out how it's anyone else's fault except ourselves. And I think where, where people want to push things is they don't want to look at, you know, what do I need to work on? Like, what, what, is, what is my responsibility in, in this failure of mine? And so he, he gives a couple of examples. And, and I, I just want to work through the first one because I, I really encourage you just to go read the article. But, but slow growth, number one, he says, slow growth is real growth. And as I'm thinking of this, you know, at, at the point when, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you, when you know in your heart that you desperately need Jesus, that you are a sinner and that you have no hope of an everlasting life with God, your Creator, apart from your trust in Jesus. When you acknowledge that, if you're anything like me, when, when I came to that, it was like a fire hydrant of, of passion that I, I wanted to learn, I wanted to read, and that was great. And then, you know, I was reading the Gospels, and I was reading through the Bible, and I was trying to listen to as many sermons and podcasts as I could, and I felt like, oh, I was growing so quickly. But then you plateau and you fall into a rut and you begin to become more familiar with the gospel stories. You become more familiar with, with who God is. And, and it doesn't have that sharpness that it had before. And your, and your heart begins to desire less. And, you know, you begin to see how, how you can live life and, and the temptations might shift a little bit and you might begin to see, okay, well, I know how I can live a godly life, at least in public, but I can still live, you know, some of my old self as well, maybe giving into some of those temptations. And so Dane puts it this way, perhaps you feel as if your growth in Christ is too painfully slow. That's good. What Christian, what, what healthy Christian is smiling content at his or her own growth, floating breezily through this fallen world, 
Healthy Christians are confounded at their slow pace of growth. This is the blessed frustration of the heart, alive to God in joy and beauty. He says, remember, slow growth is still real growth. You know, you don't plant a tree and the next day you have a tree. You know, it takes, you know, in the case of trees, it can take years to, to get to full maturity. Even flowers, you know, my, my uh, boys and I planted uh, peppers. You know, we took a, an old egg carton and my son was, you know, adamant that we were going to collect some seeds from a, from a pepper plant that we bought or from a pepper that we bought and we were going to plant them. And so we planted them and it's been, you know, a week or so. And every day he's saying, you know, why is it not growing? And, and what we don't see is that growth because it's beneath the surface. And, and I did step on the pepper plant, so I don't know if that, uh, or on the, on the carton. And so I don't know if that had any effect on whether or not they'll grow or not. But the point is that growth is slow. It's slow, though at the time of conversion, you, you have a, a strong desire and you may grow quickly to an extent that the true underlying growth, it, it takes time. You know, we, we see in scriptures where Paul says that, you know, it's very easy to be thrown to and fro by the waves of temptation and the waves of doctrine. And so if, you're, if you've just come to faith or you're coming out of another tradition or faith system— you can be soaking up all kinds of doctrine and all kinds of uh, knowledge, but that application, that true understanding of where it sinks in is so important. It can rain really, really hard on a plant, on a seed, on a garden, but it can actually rain too hard that not all of the water can actually be soaked up in the ground. A lot of it's going to run off. And so I'm not saying that this is uh, a, a reason to not try to soak up as much as you can, but, but we have to realize there is only so much information that we can process at a single time and then live out consistently and have that actually change us and reorient us in our heart. The Spirit moves slowly in us for a reason. Now, granted, some of us... Uh, some people can learn quicker than others, and some are more, uh, you know, methodical. They need to think through. They need to process, and some can pick it up and and run with it. But again, the the, the spiritual journey of believers is not a contest. It's not a race. It's it's nothing that we should be comparing each other with. What we need to be looking for is is there growth in that person's heart? And I think we see growth by is this person fighting? In fighting the good fight, are they acknowledging where they're struggling? Are they are they acknowledging that they are, you know, having this battle that they're still fighting this sin in their life? And is that something that that they are growing in? You know, I, I said to some friends the other day, I said, I don't know if I'm getting more just aware of of how I'm living my life and like how certain things just pull me away from from focusing on Jesus or if I'm making more out of things than than I ought to you know it, you can you can very easily look at everything and think that everything has has meaning and reason and I would actually argue that everything does have meaning and reason 
Uh, but it's probably meaning and reasoning that we're not meant to understand, but God does everything with purpose. God does everything with intentionality. He does nothing just for the sake of doing it, but it's all part of his, his master plan of drawing his people to saving faith and then bringing his people, delivering his people out of the sin that separated us from God in the first place. That is what God is doing. And so we need to we need to think through how am I growing? Am I struggling? What am I struggling with? If we're if we're going through life and we're saying, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of struggles and my sin, you know, I, I got my sin under control, that would actually be something that I'd be concerned about. Because we never have our sin under control. We don't control our sin. Our sin is still present. It is still, uh, it still impacts our life and our decisions. We are no longer uh, condemned for it from God's perspective if we put our faith in Jesus. But that doesn't mean it's not there anymore. We never become, we never get to the point in this life where we no longer sin. So are you struggling and what are you struggling with? How do you struggle with sin? And I don't mean the physical, I mean the mental. When, when you're battling the sin, what does that look like? Is it a battle of emotion? Is it a battle of desire? Is God part of that equation? Or is it between you and the sin? Like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Or is it, or do we look at it, that is offensive to God. I don't want to look with lust. I don't want to, um, you know, speak this way to people. Is it because you don't, like, you don't want to speak to people that way or because speaking to people that way offends God? It's a very, very big difference. So I would encourage you, what is it that you need to struggle with? What is it that you need to really think about and write it out, talk with someone, call your pastor, call a good friend and, and have that conversation about what it is, but, but be encouraged that that battle that you're facing, facing, the fact that you're realizing sin, the fact that you are, that that sin is being brought to the forefront of what you're doing each and every day is grace. It is God bringing that to the forefront so that you have the opportunity to repent of that sin and turn to Jesus. So I would encourage you to do that today. The article is Discouragement Can Take You Deeper, Finding Christ in Our Failures by Dane Ortland. You can find it on desiringgod.org. Coming up, we have author Bethany Marshall. And so we're gonna be talking to her about a, a whole range of different topics. So I would really encourage you to stick around. This is Mission and Likeness only on Love Local. And uh, we will be right back. But while we're in the break, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. I would encourage you to do that. So we are launching Locals uh, here on Love Local. And what that means is you can help support us and help us to develop new and additional content. And you can head over to lovelocalpa.com backslash join to learn more. We'll be right back. 
Here at Love Local, we are committed to helping shape the culture through entertaining and engaging content that unites followers of Jesus and helps us to live out the gospel in every area of life. By becoming a local, you're not just helping us build that mission, but you're helping to carry it out as well. Becoming a local is easy and it gives you access to all of our content. So if you haven't already, please consider becoming a local today. Together, we can help share the gospel locally so that we can reach globally. Joining me now in the studio is my guest, Bethany Marshall. She's an author, and she's also the family life pastor at Transformation Church in Altoona. Bethany, thanks for joining me here on Mission Lightness. Thanks, Scott, for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. So I don't know how it works, but um, every every few months, uh, my wife and I tend to run into you and your husband, you know, at Walmart or Target or some other location, and we end up, you know, blocking all the traffic. And we're those people that are kind of like people are wanting to push us out of the way, but we're just there talking. Yeah. Uh, so we we do enjoy those conversations, and we we enjoy having you. But I I wanted to have you on the show because you know one you are someone in our community that um, is is doing a lot of work, doing a lot of ministry work. And, and so I wanted to hear some of your perspectives and, and just kind of have a, a dialogue with you and a conversation yeah. about, you know, specifically for, for women, mm. you know, how, how do we see the mission of Jesus carried out in, in all aspects of life? You know, mission and likeness, how do we carry out God's mission in his likeness? And so wanted to wanted to talk a little bit with you about that uh, here today. Yeah. And so the, the first question I just wanted to kind of to, to throw at you is what what do you think or, or how would you describe how Jesus actually designed the church to function in everyday life? Mm, that's a great question, Scott. Um, I think Jesus designed the church to be, you know, one, relational. Right. He was surrounded by his disciples. He was surrounded by people. People were attracted to Jesus. Why were people attracted to Jesus? Because he was the real thing. Right. He was authentic in who he was. He knew who he, who he was. Um, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that people are attracted to the real thing. Yeah. And I see that when I when I read scripture, when I spend time with Jesus. There's nothing like the real deal, right? Whenever you meet someone for the first time, you know, you can easily sense if they're like the real deal. Yeah. Or as you get to know them and you see their life and you see how they're walking and the choices that they're making, you can detect really quickly if they're the real deal or not, right? Why? Because things are being produced out of their life that are fruitful, right? Are making an impact, are influencing people around them. And that's what Jesus did. He influenced people around him. And I think that the church and, and what he designed the church to be is to be authentic, is to be real, and to influence people around the us, around the church, right? Then to say, okay, I know that the Spirit of God is in me. So I've, I, if I influence people around me, they're going to be drawn to Jesus. That's the goal. And so if we are, um, I think, pointing people to Jesus, that's a mark. That's a dictate to say, okay, 
then we're doing our job. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is what helps us to to evangelize. You know, we can evangelize just through how we are living our lives and living out the gospel. And and that provide that provides opportunities to then have people question, you know, what what gives you this hope? What gives you this confidence in in God? And it's it's the gospel. And so you can live that out. And I think mm-hmm. that that is it's a great way to look at the church and to be able to say the church is a movement. Like it's not a building. It's a, it's a people, people. That, yeah. that God is building. And, and it's awesome to think that, that God who can do anything, right. Mm-hmm. Chooses to use us, his people to carry out his message. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, to, to be able to do that in a real authentic way is easy to, to think about like, oh, well, I just, I, I, if I live in this way, which is obviously according to scripture, that's, right. that's how we live out. Right. It's easy to do, but in application, it's hard. Well, I would say like, if it's not real to you, how in the world is it going to be real for anyone else? Right. So I think God is calling us as the church for it to be so real. Like we, if we don't believe what we are reading, if we don't believe the word of God, then there is no way it's ever going to become real to us, I don't think. And I think that people sense that. I think it's through the times like where our faith is tested, where people are going to see, okay, is her faith real? Is your faith real to help you through this time right now? And unfortunately, sometimes it's the hardest times in our life that we have to walk through for it to even like, I think, become real for us. Right. Because it's it's one thing, I think, to say, I have faith. It's one thing to declare, you know, my God is the God of the impossible. But what happens when your child's in the hospital and you don't know if he's going to make it? Right. Is your God the God of the impossible then? And I think it's those moments where that really comes to a head and you have to say, okay, is this real to me? Am I living this out or am I just talking about it? And I think God wants the church and, and it's designed the church for it to know its identity, mm-hmm. that God uses us, but it's not about us. And for us to have that influence empowered by the Holy Spirit, then to draw people to Jesus. It's not about drawing people to us, right? but are we doing our job and, and pointing people to Jesus? I think that's the design. Yeah, we we I talked earlier in the in the episode about this article that that came out a few days ago, and it was called "Discouragement Can Take You Deeper: Finding Christ in Our Failures." Mm. And it's talking about are we battling like in those everyday battles? He says that uh, it's by Dane Ortland, and it says like a, a flash flood will take us out, but so does the constant drip of you know the battles that we face each and every day and if we're not battling mm-hmm. which which you can also say if we're not testing that faith each and every day we're not going to grow you know we become dormant and we actually backslide into sin and ruts and temptation mm-hmm. and so i feel like in a culture like we have today where there there is you you pull anyone and and they can list right off the top three to five things that are immediate issues in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're struggling with this. They have a family member going through this. There's, like I said, any number of things happening. With young people, we, we I still consider us young. Uh, of course. With, with, with our generation, we'll say, or anyone for that matter, mm-hmm. 
it's difficult to to know where to turn because there are so many influencers that are out there that aren't the real deal. They, they, they have a message that sounds great, but it's shallow. It's hollow. Like there's no meat in it. There's no joy in it. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you within your circle of friends and, and as a woman be able to say like, no, like we need to turn from that and, and turn to Jesus. How, how do your friendships mm-hmm. kind of work in that way? And how do you navigate it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's a question probably many women are wondering and asking. Um, I think that we have to be so careful about who we allow to be closest to us first. And let me take a step back for a moment. Like right now, I believe the culture with our generation and even the generation be- like coming up behind us. Mm-hmm. They want what's real. They want what's authentic. And they are all about intentionality, all about intentionality. They want you to put down your phone, to focus, eye contact. They want that intentionality because they want to be known and they they want you to see them for who they are. And I think that when we when we realize that, we know they want connection. They want relationships. But then as a woman and as, you know, a woman that, you know, craves that connection because women, everyone craves connection. But sure. for some reason, women are like really go getters about it. Like we want connection. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, guys have their conversations and then they're good for a few days. Mm. Women, we love to talk. We love to get together. Right. We want that connection. We want community. And I feel like across the board, we can even say that men and women were designed for a community. We're designed for relationships. But I think one thing that I look for in my friendships and even the friendships that come into my life because of whatever season that I'm in, I recognize though that I need to have a, or that I do have a consistent core. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus had different layers and spheres of friendships, right? Peter, James, John, those were the three guys that were the closest to Jesus. Right. But who was the one that he was the closest with? God, God the one. He, well, God. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? God, he he gave all his, all his, like, he he made time for, for his father. He prayed. He spent time right. with him. God knew his heart the most, right? And he, he went to him the most. And then he had the three. Right. Right. And then he had the 12 and the 72 and the multitudes. So he, we see, we see a pattern there. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, throughout my life, I have, you know, lots of people that I, I meet and I get to do life with, and I get to have these great connections with, but it's so important to know who to have the right conversations with, because not everyone is going to be able to take care of your heart. Right. So that takes time sometimes to build trust and those deeper connections that we as women like create, like we want those connections. We need those connections. But then we also know that things happen like betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. We know things happen and hurt sometimes takes place. But conversations with people that you trust that are the matters of the heart, those are done with the few. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you think is is one of the because you talked about like betrayal and you know what do you think is is one of the the biggest things for women to kind of navigate when it when it comes to struggle like is is it is trust something really hard to because I feel like guys we we the old saying is like, you know, girls will hold grudges and guys, they'll duke it out and then they're best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, so is that is that a true stereotype for the most part? Or or do you see, you know, women struggling in different areas when it comes to relationships and forgiveness and, and repentance? That's a great question, um, Scott. I I can speak from like my personal, I don't know if we could blanket statement. Sure, women. yeah. And I want to make sure that we're we're never trying to blanket, yeah. In my experience, like I've found myself to be really like in intentional in those moments where why are we having this conversation, first of all? Is it to help you or is it to talk about somebody? Because mm-hmm. there's a difference. Yep. I believe there's mentoring moments and then there's gossip moments. Um, recognizing, okay, um, I you have the power in really in conversations and with your relationships to steer the the conversation boat, if you will. So if I have a friend meeting, you know, with me and and she's going through something and she's like, you know, um, I'm really struggling with I was hurt, you know, by this person. Right. In that in that moment, I I establish like okay, I am, I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not going to like engage in adding my point of view to the conversation. It's a listening more of like a position where I'm going to hear your heart because you were hurt. Mm -hmm. Now, even with me, like when I talk about, you know, the hurts that I've had in my life and the betrayals that I've had in my life, I kind of, you know, those aren't conversations for everybody. Those are conversations with your core. I mean, those are conversations with my husband. Those are conversations with the people that you trust um, because that has to do with the matters of the heart. And I think you can control, you know, those types of conversations. It takes self-control and also takes, I think, a level of discernment to know that I'm going to have this conversation because it's needed for my heart, but yet it's not for everyone's ears. And betrayal and hurt will happen, but you have to have those conversations with people that are going to be on that journey with you that have already like shown you that their their lips are sealed. Right. Right. And I think that even when we are engaging in different conversations, we can even say like, I'm not comfortable about talking about that, you know, or like when somebody tells you something in confidence, keep it in confidence. Right. You know, like, I think that we have to like... Just be so careful with our lips, you know, because that's how trust is broken. You know, there's there's times when I'm like, well, how did you hear about that? You know, I only told two people. Yeah. And then it, I, you know, as women, we kind of make a bookmark on that. And we're like, I'm going to remember that. Like, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to watch what I say to that person now, you know, yeah. but not in a way that like you're resenting them or like, you know, it's. It's just putting up a barrier, maybe. A boundary. And maybe you just kind of have to maybe have to assess that and say, okay, like, do I confront and talk about it? Do I, I, I wouldn't want my heart to get hard, right? But like, there is, I think, wisdom in how you handle that. I, I agree. And, and from a from a guy perspective, you know, it it can be really hard. Like you, 
we're both aware that it takes a tremendous amount of investment to to help people, to lead people, shepherd people, to build up relationships so that uh, I would say, especially on the guy's side of thing, where, where we feel comfortable talking about things that we struggle with and, and things that we're unsure about or, or pride issues that we're having. And you know, you you definitely want to be a good steward of that person and and be able to to trust that have them trust you that if if they're gonna go somewhere in that relationship where it is a deep conversation mm-hmm. that that you don't betray that trust because it it can be lost like that mm-hmm. and and you may not get a second chance, you know. And and so we we definitely have to be careful and we have to like you said, is is this a helpful conversation? And if it mm-hmm. is, now, now obviously there there would be situations where you you could seek additional guidance to help that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just need to be extra cautious, just as followers of Jesus, and that should be something that sets us apart right. from normal culture. Right. Absolutely. So, what what is something that you've seen? happening or developing in the church that has really just excited you and has really just added into the passion you have for for loving people and helping people to follow Jesus? Oh, I don't know. I, I just feel like we're entering like an era, if you will, of women finding a voice in the church and... um coming alongside of men in the church because we all are gifted. We all bring things to the table that are different perspectives, different gifts, different abilities, different um, spheres of influence. I think that we're entering a time where I think part of the design of the church is for the men and women to, to lead together. Because I think that, you know, and we see that in marriage, how God's designed that in marriage, how, you know, it's a man and a woman, mm-hmm. right? And why? Because there's things in the in, in, in the in the man that he can lead in and he's strong in, but then there's also, you know, the nature of the woman and how that when that comes together, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and there's something to be said about the two perspectives that come together and that can lead together. Yeah. I, I talked I to excited about that. <laughs> de- yeah, definitely. Uh, I had Geraldine Curdy on a few episodes ago. And, and one of the things that, that stuck out that, that she mentioned was, you know, we, we see how traditionally we'll say, uh, and, and understand that people have different perspectives on roles and titles and all that. We're not going to get into that. Yeah. But, but one of the things that she said that was really impactful on me was she said that the majority of women are already in these influential relationships. They just need to, to see it. Mm-hmm. They, they need to realize it. Like, the the idea of you can only be influential if you have a big following mm. is is not the work of the church. And and she said what she's really passionate about that I that I admire is she said whether or not I have a title, my the title that's most important is Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm following Jesus, I've been commissioned to help other people to follow Jesus. And, and, and it sounds like what you're saying is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like lead where you're planted. Right. And in right. titles, yeah, we, we can have that. But but the main thing is as as women and as men, 
are we actually leading in the group of people that we have around us? Mm-hmm. And so how, how would you, if, if someone is in a position and they're saying, I, I don't have people around me that are that are discipling or helping me follow Jesus, what, what would be your immediate action step for them? To find someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think even stepping out of, uh, you know, where they're, they currently are sending messages to friends or, or, you know, their, their immediate, I guess, core and being like, Hey, this is a need that I have you know, do you know anyone that would be able to like mentor me or help me or disciple me in this area? You know, I think our our own core um, friends can help us in that. Or if you are connected to another ministry or something like, just say, hey, I'm interested in this or like, I, I want to grow in this area. But I think the biggest thing that we can do as men and women who, you know, are called to lead in some way, mm-hmm. it might look different for everybody but it's to encourage one another. You know, like we're not a threat to one another. I think encouragement plays a huge part of how we step out and how we do what we do. Um, Are we encouraging one another? Are we helping one another? Are we allowing, you know, um, those moments to happen? Because those are the very times where I know I get encouraged when like, you know, Micah encourages me. Right. And what does that compel me to do? That compels me to like encourage him. So it's, it's this beautiful, like. Complimentarian. Complimentary, like thing that it keeps on going. And like, you never know how that's going to, I think, impact you for the future too. So I think, you know, who's around that person to encourage her or him. Mm-hmm. You know, is there anyone like that? If there's not, that's a need, that's a gap. Um, and then there's other people, obviously, to fill in the other gaps as far as like, you know, discipleship, things and like that. But right. yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's people that are called to different places behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, uh, anywhere, right? Um, it's just knowing that you're called and we're we're called to be obedient to what God wants us to do. And then there's fulfillment in that. Yeah, and there's definitely there's definitely work to be done to to equip individuals because they might they might feel like, well, I'm not even equipped to do that. And and that's where the church comes alongside and mm-hmm. says, Okay, well let's let's equip you to to go and serve in in that way. Now, before we before we wrap up the conversation, I want to talk about uh, our honor sponsor, which is your two books uh, so far. Yeah. And, uh, little uh, drop. Another one is in the works, I yep. hear. Yeah. So uh here we have pineapples and praise, and we have pickles and prayer. Yeah. So these are children's. I mean, they're primarily children's books, but mm-hmm. I, even adults can get something out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can purchase these on Amazon, BooksByBethany.com, or you can even find them online at mm-hmm. Target and Walmart. So Bethany, what was the motivation behind wanting to to produce these books? Yeah. So um, I'll start with pickles and prayer. I. Um, First, I love pickles. So there's that little, little tid of information for you. But um, so prayer, this is prayer is so important. You know, it's our intentional time with God. It's, it's us talking with God and we can do that anytime. Right. And so I believe there's nothing more important than teaching children about um, prayer and, and showing them that prayer is simple, but it's powerful. 
So it's just this beautiful illustration of, you know, the cucumber plant growing and how our prayer is like a seed. And when we plant it, um, that symbolizes us praying and and giving it to to Jesus, Mm. right? We are saying, Lord, hear my prayer. This is what I believe, I faith. And so faith grows as we pray, just like the cucumber plant grows. And um, it's sometimes, you know, our prayers aren't answered right away. Right. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes, you know, God has to allow time to pass. Um, but it's all about faith growing in that process. So it just takes children through the the process and growth of, of the cucumber plant and um, just really encourages them that, you know, Jesus is working and he hears our prayers and that in the right time, it will, it will show, you yeah. know, and it has like a really pretty like rhythm and um, kind of like a poetic read to it. But um, just at the end of end of the day, it's just about prayer is simple, but powerful. And it's like a seed. That's a good message. Yeah. That's a great message. We, this was the first one I wrote. Yeah, we had um, Sherry Clark on. She's She works in uh, publishing and helping people tell their stories. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about was the, the power of the written word, and especially mm-hmm. uh, among younger individuals. You know, they they love the pictures. They love the different dynamics of storytelling. They they hang on every word because it's 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 an engaging story. And so mm-hmm. to see that that you have you know combined something that that you love, mm-hmm. uh, even if even if it's a food, into an essential mm-hmm. of prayer, and then you know that that is just something that will resonate with kids and, and help them as they begin to see the need for, yeah. for wanting to pray. And mm-hmm. so how, how did that lead into Pineapples and Praise? So Pineapples and Praise, um, I wrote during quarantine. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I refuse to make quarantine um, not productive. Right. So um, Pineapples and Praise, prayer and praise, mm. I believe are essential. I think that... Um, you know, there's something about when we praise the Lord and when we pray to him, that's when we move his heart. So Pineapples and Praise was written to show um, that we are created to praise the Lord. And I, again, use the illustration of a pineapple because I, as I was like thinking and, and writing it, the Lord, um, you know, reminded me that one day we're going to receive a crown in heaven, right? Whether there's like four different crowns, it might be the crown of life, you know, um, but we're going to receive a crown. And what does the word of God say in Revelation? It says that we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. It says that we're going to put our crowns before him on the ground. So that got me thinking, I was like, well, pineapples have crowns. So I started doing some research and I was like, how are pineapples planted? How do they reproduce? Right? Well, I found out that, um, the pineapple is planted when you cut the crown off and you plant it in the ground. And then another pineapple grows up in it. Hmm. So it's this beautiful process of, you know, the crown is planted and another one is, comes out of it. And I was like, wow, you mean like only one pineapple comes out of a pineapple crown. Right. And the answer is yes. So that makes you value your pineapple, I think, a little bit more. Right. Um, but 
So it's about how like a pineapple has a crown and so do we, and um, we are created to praise the Lord. And so I, I add, um, you know, at the back of, at the end of this book, a Psalm, and it's all about, you know, praising him. Psalms 150, praise the Lord, praise him in a sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power. It just goes on and on and on um, the ways we can praise him and um, because he deserves it. And because uh, he, it's his heart and we are his handiwork. So it just teaches kids that they are created to praise him. So, yeah, that's Pineapples and Praise. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's great. So definitely pick those up if, if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, if you have kids or if you know someone who has kids, you can pick them up. Like we said, booksbybethany.com on Amazon, Target Online or Walmart online. So we have, we have a few minutes left. And I, I wanted to, I've been trying to ask guests on the show this question, because I think from a personal, you know, growth standpoint, um, I think it's easy for us to, we, we, it's easy for us to say all the right things and to, you know, it's easy for me to get on here at least and say, well, this is how we should be living life. And this is how we find out our mission. But uh, so I, I've been asking people, how do you personally stay focused and on mission? Like, who is your few that helps you to to correct you when when you're in sin and maybe you don't see it? Maybe it's a blind spot. I mean, how how are you being discipled, and and who who's helping to disciple you in life? Mm, great question. Um, I think that it is so important to when you wake up every day to to make it a priority to spend time with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because when you're filled with him, that means you're filled less with you. Yeah. And I think that when you get that deposit in the morning of that time with him, then there is just something that resets your day and you don't operate the way that I don't think you know, God's created us to operate because when we are filled with him first, I think that truly dictates, I think, how we respond because we've spent that time with Jesus. Right. That shapes us. Prayer shapes us. Prayer changes us. And it it helps us grow in him spiritually. So first step is to pray, spend time with Jesus. He shapes us. He fills us. He molds us and makes us in that time. Um, so spiritually, that is... I think the one component that is like, if you want to follow after Jesus, then you got, you ha we have to make prayer a priority in our life um, because it's through prayer that God changes us and renews us and fills us with everything that we need. Um, and then, you know, the, the people in my life that help shape me and help grow me, you know, I'm blessed to have a husband that, you know, is is loves the Lord and serves him and he's not afraid to tell me when you know I'm a little bit sassy one day or whatever but right. he calls me out on my stuff and I appreciate that even though in the moment I'm like you know I roll but at the end of the day he's right right yeah. so um you know if you're married you know it could be your husband it could be your wife that sees you know he they see you behind closed doors they, they know you more than anyone else. Um, but I also have some really close friends, some best friends that I've had, you know, for 
for decades. Um, and then more recently, I've had some, you know, other friends that have gotten to be really close and, and just we sharpen one another with the word of God and we encourage one another and we do ministry together. And, you know, they've seen me at my stressful moments, my discouraged moments. They've seen me, you know, in my small beginnings at, at times. And like, I've been super discouraged at times, but through prayer and through encouragement, you know, we hold, they hold, they held me up. Right. So like, we need people around us that pray with us, that pray for us, um, that are with us through those times. And, um, I'm blessed to have that circle, you know, they're all from like, I think different areas, you know, and that's okay. You know, I think that, you know, you can have friends that, don't live in the area or, you know, or far away that still speak into your life because you have that connection and that bond, but then you also are blessed with people that are close to you. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that it's, it's encouraging to hear because I, I think a lot of people might struggle with being able to have a group of people. And, and, and one of the things that I want to communicate is not to, to make you feel bad or guilty that you don't, but to invite yeah. you into those relationships. And, and, and maybe the spirit, if you don't have that is calling you to be the one that's leading that relationship. Mm -hmm. So Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Uh, so that is Bethany Marshall. Uh, you can definitely check out booksbybethany.com. Uh, that's all we have for this episode of Mission of Likeness. I want to, again, just thank you for joining us. You can head over to lovelocalpa.com, become a local with us and help support what we're trying to do and help us to get more content out on our platform. So we'll have a brand new episode next week. So be sure to tune in for that. You can also subscribe on Facebook, uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube and Rumble. We would definitely appreciate that. We hope that you have a great week and definitely check in next week here on Mission and Likeness.